Hey guys, and welcome to Against the Grain, a podcast where we discuss how to live differently and take the narrow path that isn't popular in today's post-Christian culture. Our goal is to look at life differently through a biblical lens to understand how God wants us to live in today's day and age. We talk about current topics millennials are facing today, not talked about in the pulpit, and what they mean to us as Christ followers. Hello, everyone. It is Sunday. Um, We're a couple days out from the election. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I was listening to a YouTube. um, His name is Marcus Rogers, and he does some prophetic preaching. He's really, really um, good. I like him a lot. And he just had a really good sermon, and it just, or talk, I guess you would say, and it just really hit me. Um, no matter what happens, you know, in these next four years, whether Joe Biden or Donald Trump wins, we have to remember that God is in control. And I hear people talk about, you know, how bad 2020 was, you know, so much can't wait for 2020 to get over. But the truth is, God has been moving. He has been working this entire year for his glory and his goodness. And there's so much good that's happened. And so to just say that it was just a terrible year and nothing good came out of it is just blasphemy. I mean, there's so much good. There's so much revival. It it really gave us a chance to step back and consider how precious our family is, how precious God is, reprioritize our time to get in the word and get into prayer and really just gave America, which is such a consumeristic culture, a chance to step back and realize that there's more to life than just work. And there's more to life than just the rush, rush, rush of the rat race that we're in. And there were so many blessings that came out of that. People had more time to focus on ministry efforts, um, more time to serve, more time to help their neighbors, um, more time to get into the word, more time to pray, more time to just be with family and, and craft your family in a way that's pleasing to God. And it's just, there's so many good things that have happened. And it, it really was a wake-up call 2020 was. And I feel like God is really just trying to get our attention and make us pay attention that we are in the last days. Like, we're in the last days. And we're in the, we're in the season of the last days. Like, we can see that because we know that earthquakes are going to increase. That, you know... Uh, hurricanes are going to increase, fires, locust plagues, um, political unrest, social unrest, um, just violence in general. It seems like every every time I open my news feed, there's always some terrible story about you know a man throwing his infant child off of a balcony or people killing their babies, and it just makes me sick to my stomach and. It should, and we shouldn't get desensitized to that because the direction of the world is going to get worse, progressively worse. And things like that show us the contrast between dark and light. It gives us an idea of how great and how glorious God is in comparison to how ugly the world can be. So anyways, that's a nice little introduction that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Well, kind of. So um, I didn't prepare any notes, but I wanted to dig into Revelation and look at um, the Antichrist. And 
I had learned some stuff actually just reading through this today. Um, and so I just wanted to share it with you guys because a lot of people are like, you know, are the Antichrist already here? You know, what, how are we going to know? What's the mark of the beast going to be like? There's all kinds of conspiracy theories about how it's going to be a chip, um, how it's going to be a tattoo, stuff like that. I've got some thoughts and I'm going to share them. Just, I, uh, I prepared some, well, I didn't prepare anything. I just wrote some notes in my Bible. So I'll kind of just go over that and kind of summarize, um, what Revelation says about, about the Antichrist. There are two, interestingly enough. And there, there have been many. There are still Antichrists here among us today. Um, an Antichrist in the Bible is defined as anybody that does not acknowledge um, God and, and Jesus as, as the way to God. So um, there have been many. But the main shebang, that's gonna, the main fellow that's going to be um, controlled by the devil, we'll look at him today in some characteristics um, that he is going to present. So to really dig in and understand that, I want to flip back to, um, Revelation 12, which is really interesting. Um, it talks about, um, a woman clothed with sun and the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as if she was about to give birth. Um, and it goes through, how the devil, which is mentioned as the red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, um, he was pursuing this woman that, and it was going to devour her child. But God saved the child. And it doesn't say it, but it's implied that the child was Jesus and this was Mary that he was pursuing. Um, and it, it goes on to say, that the devil was thrown out of heaven. There's some debate. Some people think that this happened, um, interestingly enough, happened um, during Jesus' death and resurrection. They think that's when Satan was thrown out of heaven. Yes, Satan did reside in heaven. Interesting, isn't it? Um, that's something I've learned within the last couple of years, and we can dig more into that later, but just understanding where Satan was is really important because um, he went from, and then I guess I should say other people think it's been known to have the thought process that Satan has not been thrown out of heaven yet. So they think that that's going to happen like, it's going to happen like literally midway through the tribulation, the seven year tribulation period, um, following the rapture of the church but coming before Christ's second coming, okay, and beginning Christ's a thousand-year reign. So there's some different thoughts on that. Um, I know, like, I've talked to a Jehovah Witness about this one time because I always um, invite them to study the Bible, and we argue tooth and nail about it, and um, I show them my way, and they show me theirs, and and um, we have some good discussions. Um, so, anyways, they believe, I think they believe that uh, this happened in, like, 1940 or something like that. Like, it, there was some day that this had happened um, in history. But I'll leave that up for you to interpret and decide and pray on. Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest, and, and that's okay. Um, a lot of revelation is promised to make more sense to us as we get closer to the end. Um, that's what God's word says. So 
regardless, before the end comes, the devil is going to be thrown out of um, heaven. And I kind of lean towards the thought that he, the thought pattern that he already has been, because um, verse ten actually says that he was he would sit up in heaven and just accuse brothers and sisters in Christ day and night, just pestering God about our imperfections and, you know, saying that we're not worth it and all that. And we, we should just not be in existence, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then it it goes on to say, you know, that it talks about him being thrown out of heaven and then how the earth should then mourn because the devil has gone down and now inhabits the earth. And we know that the devil obviously is is on earth now because, well, we think so, right? Because technically there's, you know, so much evil going on that the devil, um, and then we have some verses in the Bible that talk about devil, uh, walking around and prowling, you know, that verse and, um, you know, hunting for people to devour. And so we know that he is an active creature in our lives. Obviously that's why we have so much turmoil in the world right now too, is, Because the devil is just, I think the devil's just running rampant. Um, So I like this last verse in verse 12. It says, he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. I like that because God's putting him in his place and saying, you know, you, you've got X amount of time and you know, you're not going to win. You know, I'm going to win because I am the alpha, the omega, the the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You're not going to defeat me. And the devil knows this. He he has a sense of this. So that is why he is wreaking so much havoc. Mind you, now, he even went up in heaven. He still had influence on earth. Um, for example, Job, you know, he was pestering God and God allowed him to torment Job and cause his family to be deceased and all of this terrible things that had happened to Job. So he always had influence on the earth and he had since Adam and Eve. We know that. Um, We can see examples of that all throughout the Bible. So anyhow, we'll get back to that. So I just thought that was really neat because the birth and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ had so many spiritual elements to it. It's just incredible. I mean, there was just so many, so much underground stuff in the spirit world going on that we couldn't see. And I invite you to imagine, you know, if you were back then, if you were a person back then living in that time, would you have truly known what all was going on? I mean, because you're not physically seeing the devil, you know what I mean? You're seeing from a humanistic perspective, Um, you know, obviously there was an earthquake, um, when Jesus was crucified. So that also points to that, uh, that chapter 12. Um, it talks about an earthquake. I believe it's chapter 12. Yeah. About, um, a great earthquake. And so that was tangible, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the spiritual things. And so, It's just important to remember that when we come to the part about the Antichrist actually coming to earth, there's going to be a lot of deception occurring because it's not going to be a tangible thing necessarily. There are clues that we are given to um, 
to flesh out who this Antichrist is. There's certain things that we'll go into, but a lot of it is going to be a spiritual battle, and it's going to be a very persuasive one at that, that we're not necessarily going to understand fully if we aren't immersed in God's word and aren't immersed in in the truth and full of the Holy Spirit. We have to have the Holy Spirit in order to flesh out these spiritual battles. So we will go ahead and look at chapter 13, which talks about the beast coming out of, out of the sea. And this really gives a great description of the Antichrist. Um, and then just kind of showing you, like, these are the identification marks that he's going to have. Okay, so let's just go ahead and dive in. And then <clears throat> we'll, I'll throw some of my commentary in there on what, how I think the stage is being set now. Um, so we'll just go ahead and skip down to verse two. So it says that the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. So the dragon in this context is Satan himself. Okay. So there's three characters. One is the dragon, which is Satan. There's a first beast and then there's a second beast. Okay. So right now we're going to talk about the first beast. The first beast has all the authority of Satan, right? And it says on one of the heads, the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed and the whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshiped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. So they worshiped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? So let's break that down. There's a lot to unpack there. So Satan is giving this Antichrist all of his power and authority. Okay, so he's got a lot of authority. He's going to be persuasive. He's going to be powerful. Um, and he's going to have a lot of people follow him. Okay, so I thought one interesting thing to note is the, the verse 3 about him having a fatal wound. But the fatal wound had been healed. This is pure speculation, okay, but for me, when I think of that, I think of like a, a presidential candidate, and it's easy to put it in terms of presidents because they have a lot of power and authority, and it seems like we as a culture are starting to really just gravitate towards politics as a whole. It's becoming something that we worship, so we really have to watch that as Christians, but the fatal wound, it makes me think, you know, what if it was... A presidential candidate that had um, had a sort of what did they call that assassination attack um, was shot, and everybody thought that he was going to die, um, but then he had been miraculously healed. So that kind of thing, like that, kind of have a, has a dual purpose because not only does it show the power because he was miraculously healed. So where is he going to give credit to that? Probably, probably the dragon, right? Satan. Um, but it also has a, a, I don't know how to say it. It has a, we feel for people that have been hurt, you know, generally. If they have had an assassination attack, it's like a victim thing. You know, they, they are now looked at as a victim. And so we sympathize with them more. So that could also be, again, just a thought of mine. Um, something to watch out for. Again, I'm, I'm giving all this commentary as purely just thoughts that have came into my head and kind of scenarios that could possibly happen. So 
we know that he gets a fatal wound and it's healed. We also know that people are going to worship Satan, but not directly Satan, right? They're going to worship the beast. So he's going to have, um, he's going to have a narrative, right? And he's going to, it's basically going to be everything against Christ, like everything that God doesn't like. And so by worshiping everything that God doesn't like, you are worshiping Satan because Satan is in essence the opposite of God. So we have to watch that. Um, let's see what next. And, and people were in awe. It says, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? This guy's going to be so powerful and he's going to have a near death experience, but he's going to come back from that. So that could give him even more power. So it says that the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words. Okay. Proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority, authority for 42 months. Let's just stop there. Three characteristics. Okay. He's going to be a smooth talker. Number one, he's going to be a uniter. Number one, number two, he's going to go against God's word, right? That's what blasphemies are. He's going to go against the Bible. He's going to go against what God stands for. Okay, he's going to preach acceptance and tolerance and love and unity and a message that's attractive to both sides. That's going to be, it's going to be independent. He's going to probably be a person in the middle, someone that's able to sympathize with both sides because, and this is where I get into how we've set the stage, right? We're so politically divided Half of the country is one way, half of the country is the other. And we're so politically divided that we're going to be looking for someone that is a unifier, someone that's willing to meet us in the middle. So I truly do believe that this political season that we're in is actually setting the stage perfectly for the Antichrist to come. So we know that. That's number two. Number three He's going to come in some form of power, whether that's politically or something else. I think it's interesting to note that his period of reign is for 42 months, okay, three years, three and a half years. How long is a presidential person generally in office? Three and a half years, four years. I mean, four years before the political process really starts to go, but in office, four years, essentially, right? So that kind of lines up, you know. So that's an interesting thought, okay, and it says that he was given the power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. So when I think of waging war, oftentimes that is not done physically, but that is done through legislation. So we really have to be diligent, diligent um, about watching for those types of things. For instance, the Equality Act. Now, you can go online and you can look at Fox News, you can look at CNN, you can look at MSNBC, you can look at all these Politico posts that have taken their own spin on the Equality Act. Um, I went directly to Congress's website, looked up the Equality Act, and read the bill myself. Um, and I can honestly say it's scary. It's a very scary thing. Um, it's very scary. Because what they want to do is make it illegal for you to discriminate um, against LGBTQ 
transgender, uh, anything like that. That's it'll be considered a hate crime, basically. So, in all actuality, that's great. You know, as Christians, we're not supposed to discriminate against anybody, anyways. But where the lines get the water gets muddied is what is considered discrimination. When you go to church, are you allowed to preach against homosexuality? Are you allowed to not marry homosexual people in your church? Because that's a big deal. You know, if it comes down to um, the point where you either bow to the golden calf that is the LGBTQ movement, or you lose your federal funding or your federal tax benefits, you know, credits, whatever, your tax status, and you get your church shut down because you're labeled, you get sued because you're, you know, it's for a hate crime. That's a big deal. That is a huge deal. So the bill doesn't actually specify like the, you know, what is just considered that discrimination and how far that goes. It does not address religious liberty at all in terms of operating in, you know, operating in your respected beliefs um, against homosexuality. It just says that you're not allowed to discriminate against those peoples. So my question is, how far is that going to be taken? And that is the whole point of this movement. Um, A lot of these political parties, you know, preach tolerance and acceptance and love, but they they want to take that away from the reli- <clears throat> the religious liberty component and i'm i'm not against voting democrat i would i voted democrat for the first time when i was 18 when i was eligible to vote but i truly do believe the democratic party of today is completely different than when you know in the 90s or whatnot you know totally different it has went I just won't even get into it, but I, I just, I feel very strongly about, um, standing up against, um, churches being persecuted and churches losing their religious freedom on account of tolerance for others. You know, when we get into getting fines and things like that for preaching what the Bible says, that is an infringement of rights. Um, and, and the reason I bring up the, the Democratic Party was because I, I, I watched, um, and I would vote Democrat, you know, if they presented a candidate that was pro-life and, you know, didn't necessarily push the LGBTQ movement like they do, you know, um, I would have no problem voting Democrat. I... I have no issue with a lot of the things that they their party does promote, you know, healthcare and and things like that, but I just I can't get past what God says is clearly wrong. I cannot vote in clear conscience with what God says is clearly wrong. So anyways, um why I bring that up was because I remember Bernie Sanders Kamala Harris, and Pete Buttigieg. They had gone, um, 
They had done several town halls back when they were all running against each other for the Democratic candidate nominacy. And I remember them three, those three specifically saying, um, you know, it, it should be a hate crime to preach against um, homosexuality in a church. And we should do something to change that. They blatantly came out and said that. I mean, that is scary. That is terrifying to me because, and I mentally marked those three candidates um, at that point in time because I watch all sides of things. I try to get, um, you got to watch all sides of things to be prepared for what's coming. You can't just shelter yourself on one side or the other. So watching that scared the Sam Hack out of me. And then what scared the Sam Hack out of me even more was when she got nominated as vice president. So I thought, oh, goodness, okay, this person is not afraid of persecuting the church, and uh, we might be in trouble. So anyways, uh, just an important point to note there that, um, yes, so anyways, the it says that the beast is given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. So again, that could be through legislation because it says he was given but this is interesting, though. It says he was given authority over every people, tribe, language, and nation. All inhabitants will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So, right there, it's someone that escalates quickly in power. So, they don't just stay in the United States because this indicates that this is several nations. So perhaps it could be part of the UN um, and then, you know, one world government type thing. Again, I'm not trying to get into conspiracy theories because I do not believe in them at all. But it's, it's interesting, you know, to think there's, there's got to be some kind of uniting in order to get the one world currency. And I know China, I saw on the news, is trying to implement their own digital currency um, and try to make it a worldwide global thing, which will be interesting to see. So something to keep out, keep an eye out there for. And then there's some laws that people are trying to pass in the United States right now too about digital currency. Um, so that's just an idea to, to keep an eye out for. So those are the three things. Um, and so at the end of this, it says during this time, you know, it, this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. So during this time, if we are around, since we are getting in the end season, I mean, we're here, we're, we're getting to the thick of it, but I don't think we're quite here yet in this passage. But during this time, you have to have patient endurance and faithfulness because this is going to be a time of true sacrifice like we have never seen in our lifetime. We have never truly had to sacrifice in America. There are countries out there, China, for example, they are meeting in people's houses. They're having underground churches because Christianity is banned. It's such a dictatorship and an authoritarian government. People say we have an authoritarian government. They have no clue. <laughs> Go visit the world. Go travel the world. Go talk to somebody from a different country and get a get a perspective outside of your, your media outlets because it's scary what people in China, for example, have to go through just to practice Christianity. I mean, 
it's just insane. So, but at the same time, under that persecution, their faith is flourishing and it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Um, so I really do think that this is going to be the time that the remnant is going to be called up as soon as we start, um, really getting into heavy persecution and we're going to be called to have to sacrifice. I mean, you can probably kiss your family farming legacy goodbye. You can kiss your job goodbye. You can kiss some of your family that's going to take the mark of the beast goodbye. All your comfort, all your freedom, kiss it goodbye if we're alive during this. Because it's going to get ugly. And you're going to have to make some sacrifices like you have never made. You may no longer have electricity. You may no longer be able to get food at a grocery store. Start practicing now, living minimalistically, not consumeristically, because we can't get attached to the things of this world, because when we do, we take our eyes off God. We need to keep our eyes off things, off materialism, and on heavenly things. So, now we're going to get into verse 11, which talks about the beast out of the earth. This is the second beast, okay? So there's two beasts. There's the dragon, which is Satan, beast number one, and then beast number two. Okay, so this second beast is coming out of the earth, okay? And it exercised all authority of the first beast on its half, behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the beast. So naturally, when I read this, I think of like a vice president, right? Because it can exercise all the authority of the first beast, um, especially in the example of having a fatal wound, and then being healed, it would make sense that the VP would take over. So that's interesting. Um, and then it says, it says, has made the earth and its inhabitants worship, worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of the people. So it was given this power to perform these miraculous signs on behalf of the first beast. And it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. So because it could, you know, make these miraculous signs and wonders, um, it deceived a lot of people. Because this guy could possibly claim to be Christ. Um, and say, you know, well... I can do these wonderful things and these make these miracles happen from heaven. Look at it. Happened, happened in the Old Testament. Um, when you test, when uh, you, God was tested before, he sent fire from heaven um, and could use perfect examples from the Bible. Um, and it could appear that God is giving these powers to him, but really it's Satan. So we're going to have to watch that. It's going to say a lot of people are going to be deceived. Um, the next thing is it says that he ordered them to set up. It calls him it, actually. It doesn't call him a him. It says it. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by sword yet lived. So the sword represents a, you know, a uh, bullet or it could be a physical sword. Um, some kind of weapon, I would imagine. Um, or it actually could mean like a political blow, um, something like that. Uh, 
now that I'm thinking about it, but it sets up an image to honor, whether that's a physical statue, um, or whether that is, is more of a movement. Perhaps that could be a movement, like a, a Black Lives Matter type movement. Um, that is also considered an image. That's an idol um, that takes the place of God. So the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Now, we think, okay, so it's going to come down to us dying, right? That doesn't necessarily mean to me that we're going to physically die. That could be a spiritual death by worshiping Satan instead of God, um, in my mind. But it says that it's going to give the first image breath. Now, again, could it be, you know, the president or whatnot was on life support, um, and then that person was speaking for him, um, and then praised him and his bravery and all of this, you know, something like that, possibly. Uh, just a thought there. It says it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive the mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So that's where things are going to get real hairy. Okay, that's where you're going to lose all of your freedoms. And I would imagine Christians left in that time are going to have to do some sort of underground bartering system. I mean, um, a lot of people say that, you know, this could be done with digital identification. So, you know, and coronavirus maybe could be setting us up to, to do that with their, you know, when they digitally scan your face for temperature and stuff like that. There, there are so many things that are scanning our faces anyways, our phones, for example. Um, but again, just something to look out for. Um, and yeah, very, very detrimental to not buy, sell, or trade, no groceries, no bartering, you know, with people that had had the mark, um, which is very significant. So verse 18 is important to note because it says, this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight, sorry, I'm doing this podcast while feeding a baby, multitasking. Um, let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for its number it is the number of a man. That number is 666. So when it says this calls for wisdom, that is that means it's not going to be obvious to us. I don't think it's going to be as obvious as a chip or a tattoo or something like that. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it will be. Um, but I just can't really see it being super obvious. I think it's going to be a little more hidden than that, but we're going to know because, well, first of all, the spirit is going to give us insight. If we are in the spirit, um, actively listening to the spirit, we're not going to not know. We're going to have some idea, um, and it's going to feel wrong. We're going to feel a strong conviction from the spirit. That's just my personal belief. Um, because there are so many things that have happened in my life, um, movements that the spirit has pulled me away from and said, no, that is evil. That is wicked. That is not good. That is an idol. 
run away from that. And I, I just have a feeling that God is going to let us know if we are truly in him and in the word and studying it diligently and, and looking at these things, um, we're not going to be fooled. But there are going to be a bunch of lukewarm Christians that just sit their butts in the church pew on Sunday and do nothing else the rest of the week that will be deceived because they, a lot of them do not have the spirit and they do not have the wisdom from that comes from reading the Bible and understanding this stuff. So it could, I mean, there's going to be a lot of deception that happens and your friends and family are probably going to be pressuring you to take this mark. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to work. You're not going to be able to participate in the economy in general. Um, and all of that stuff is going to have to be a choice. People are going to diminish it. They're going to probably say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's just, you know, it's the digital age. It's it's the direction we're going. It's the way the economy is changing. You know, people said 20 years ago or 40 years ago, TV was bad and now it's a staple, you know, it's just how times are changing. A lot of people will brush this off, but if you feel a strong conviction from the Spirit, listen to God. Listen to God. Pray on it. Pray on it, pray on it, pray on it. Get in the Word. Recognize these signs. So I just uh, want to recap. Okay, so there's the dragon, which is Satan. The beast, which is the first Antichrist. He's going to be wounded. Something people think is going to be fatal. Um, but he's going to be a smooth talker, a uniter. He's going to go against God's word by what he stands for. He's going to preach tolerance and equality and acceptance and watered down Christianity, perhaps, um, love and peace and good vibes and just all the generic Oprah Winfrey crap, prosperity gospel, spirituality, new age stuff that is out there right now that just, you know, totally goes against biblical teachings. Um, that's going to be super popular because it's going to unite everybody. And it's something that everybody can agree on. Um, number three, he's going to be in some form of power. We don't know if that's politically or, um, maybe he's in the UN or he's, you know, just some sort of celebrity. I don't know. Maybe, um, Something like that. But we know he's going to be in power for about three and a half years. And he's going to deceive. He's going to wage war against God's people and conquer them. Okay, so a lot of people are going to get defeated. Um, and he, then he's going to go and move up to authority over like the global world. All inhabitants of the world um, are going to worship him. It's going to be a uniting thing. Everybody except those who's who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay. And then comes that God is telling us you're going to have to have patient endurance and faithfulness during this time. Okay. Then the second beast comes out. This is his second hand man or woman. Either one. Um, and it says that basically going to perform signs causing fire to come down from heaven, for example. Uh, miraculous signs going to make people think that he is Christ returned, perhaps. Um, and many people are going to be deceived. And he's going to instate an image, okay? An image that honors the first beast. Okay? So that's going to be 
something that people are going to worship. It could be an ideology. It could be a movement. It doesn't have to be necessarily a statue like many would think. Um, and so he's going to give breath. He's going to pick up the first. It says this, he's going to give power to give breath to the image of the first beast. So he's going to be his right-hand man. He's going to pick him up, make him look good. And he's going to cause all who refuse to worship him to be killed, whether that's spiritually or physically, we don't know. Um, and it's going to cause he, that second um, fellow, that second Antichrist, is going to implement the mark of the beast. We know that. Um, you're not going to be able to buy, sell, or trade. So what form that comes in, we're not sure yet, but it's going to take some wisdom. So um, I think it's really important to just be aware and um, I'm not good at math, so <laughs> don't look to me to calculate the number 666 unless it's written out 666 because I am not going to, <laughs> probably not going to be able to decipher it. So, but there will be someone out there who does because it says let the person who has insight calculate this number. So someone out there will have the insight. Um, and, and the devil has done a really good job of infiltrating the conspiracy theory people because like, I don't know if you're like me, but the normal person does not like conspiracy theories. Like in fact, hates them because they're the opposite of factual. They're like crazy speculation to the extreme, like not reasonable speculation, like insane rabbit hole speculation. And I just don't think that's of God, but that's my personal opinion on that. Um, so I think he's done a really good job of like making it to where if you do speculate, oh, you're a crazy conspiracy person. Um, I think there's a healthy amount of speculation that we can have as Christians and God actually tells us to test all spirits. Okay. That means test your pastor, test your, you know, person that you're listening to on, um, on Sunday, um, through the internet, the person that's, you know, on your podcast, me, test all the spirits. Do not just take what you hear to heart and just, you know, absorb it, unless it is God's word directly. Test all spirits, because we are all human, and we are all faulty and capable of making mistakes. So we have to remember that. But that is the important, you know, part of of questioning, but not going down that insane rabbit hole where we get sucked in and it, that becomes an idol in itself. There's so many modern day idols and we can't really even begin to understand them if we don't get in God's word because they're, they're not golden calves anymore. They are their ideas and their movements and their celebrities and their there are health and our jobs and our family and our freedom and our comfort and our pride and our social justice movements or our climate change ideologies. There, there's so many modern day idols that people do not even know that they're worshiping social media. I've struggled with that. There are so many that I have struggled with that you just got to take them away and, and realize that. So when I talk about reading the scripture, 
when it says you set up an image to honor the beast, you know, it's not necessarily a physical image. We have to get that in our brain that a lot of this is movements that everybody's jumping on. If everybody's jumping on a movement, everybody seems to like this guy. Beware. Step back. Question the movement. Question the man. Ask yourself, you know, is this... God, keep my eyes open. Keep my ears listening to your spirit. Let me stay in the truth so I can be cognizant of when the Antichrist comes and I can recognize him and I can warn others, other brothers and sisters, and I can refuse the mark of the beast. Um, Pray that daily. Pray that daily for the spirit to come into you and just fill you with knowledge. Receive the knowledge that the Bible puts out puts out so wow that was like a really long tangent um, for like literally two chapters in revelation but this book is fire it is literally fire it talks about a lot of fire and sulfur but it is also so crazy to think about and a lot of it's metaphorical but a lot of it is symbolic and it's very relevant to what we're seeing So I encourage you to go read Revelation um, and dig into that and really just wrestle with it because it is, it's such a hard book to grapple with, but the more you read it, um, the better and easier it gets to understand it and the more you pray on it and think about it because it is literally coming to life before our eyes. The Bible is in general. So get in there, get in the word, get in the word daily um, and really just eat it up because it's just, it's crazy what's happening. So we need to be prepared. We need to be vigilant and we need to be filled with God's spirit. So anyways, I hope that helped you guys have a better idea of the, the antichrist. There's, there's some other things like, um, I've heard he has to come from, um, Middle East descent origin or something like that. I haven't read that yet, so I can't speak on that subject. But there are some other identifying factors, I think, according to other people that I've heard. Um, Again, don't quote me on that because I have not read it. But this is straight out of Revelation, the text for your, um, what we talked about today is Revelation chapters 12 and 13. And that's just kind of... I I felt moved by the spirit to talk about that and just to kind of give people an idea because a lot of people think that there's just going to be one in that Christ, which is what I thought. But in reality, there's going to be three persons, which is weird because it's kind of like the opposite of the Trinity, but with Satan, you know, like Satan is the father and then the son is basically the first antichrist and the spirit is the second Weird, interesting. That just came to me. But anyways, it's like a, the polar opposite, but evil. So, um, yeah, interesting thought there. So anyways, yeah, I hope that you got something out of this today. And it, it's just, man, God is so good. And he offers us so much wisdom when we pray and we ask for it. Um, and ask to be filled with the Spirit. He is so good. And he's giving and merciful and... I just pray that you guys have an awesome week. Um, Go out and serve somebody. Ask your neighbor what they need. Ask them. Say, do you need me to go pick up groceries? Do you need me to do um, clean your gutters for you? 
do your laundry for you? Is there anything you need? Um, faith in action. That's what it is this week, guys. So I hope um, you stay vigilant and you love your neighbor well and get in the word lots, pray lots, and continue that relationship with Christ because it is a relationship. It is not an obligation. Um, it is such a beautiful relationship. And the more that we craft it, the more that we lean on him, the more we can understand his character and start to bear those fruits of the spirit. So hope that you got a lot out of it. I understand it was a total big ramble. Um, no outline, but sometimes you just got to listen to the spirit. So that's where we're at. Have a great week, guys.